0: Coming up on the Tall Mike Wine Podcast. I tell people I went to school to learn to push buttons and talk at the same time. You've just let out the big secret
1: that you don't have to have any talent whatsoever. You were, you know, getting the let out. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. And celebrating a for Rocktober. Places. Yeah, Rocktober. Every October. year. Oh, rock. Bone.
1: Hard. Dog. You know. Right, rah, rah, rah. Right, and it's right. just like, that's what it has See, to I be. I was
0: think, if you get fired, you're either really smart or you're a crackhead (laughs) i've actually been fired for both and now the tall mike wine podcast the cell phones have been silenced the wine has been poured and we will pour more as we chat and just like that the podcast begins welcome to the tall mike wine podcast the wine podcast that's not all about wine the wine podcast like no other holding steady at number 14 on the feed spot list of the 45 best wine podcasts heard in 32 countries on five continents new additions to that list are the maldives qatar and singapore also 42 of these united states and the district of columbia from newport news virginia To Clay City, Kentucky, from Wexford, Pennsylvania, to Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. I thank you for finding us and taking in the conversation. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating. Write a review if you're into that sort of thing. They tell me it helps a lot. I am back at Nicholson Ranch in the Bombay Room after a nice vacation break. You may have thought I was never coming back from my vacation to Walla Walla, Washington since it's been a few weeks since the last episode dropped. Maybe you thought I'd ran off with Kara Olmberg, the wine woman of Walla Walla. Uh, no, that's not going to happen. Maybe you thought I was swept away in the atmospheric river that descended on the northwest. I did get to drive through all of that on my way home, but that wasn't really a big deal. I'm a northwest native. A little rain, not going to scare me. I've just been decompressing after my vacation. Thanksgiving came and went, and now all is quiet. Let's get to episode 22 with my guest. He is a former Seattle-area radio personality. In fact, and this is going to make him feel a little bit old, I listened to him on the radio, and I was an aspiring radio personality myself in the 1980s. He's also worked in the biz in such cities as San Francisco, Sacramento, bellingham washington and uh, right next door napa he currently lives in napa he's known to many as sharpie but i'll call him larry larry sharp is here hi larry hi mike well done thank you (laughs) he was surprised that i did the opening live no i like that it's authentic flawless i might add well thank you so much yeah yeah
1: i mean i was waiting for you to stumble on something there (laughs)
0: Well, thank you. That means a lot to me. Can you clarify something for me real quick? Of course. I had some guests here at the winery tell me they were going on a river cruise with Captain Sharpie. Yes. Uh, and I was like, wait a minute. I know this guy that goes by Sharpie, and I think he lives on a boat. I wonder if... Hmm.
1: <laughs> you are sharp. No, wait, I'm sharp. I'm sorry. <laughs> when I saw my retirement coming on the horizon from running the stations here in Napa... I figured, you know, I got to do something. I'm not a guy that likes to sit around, and it wouldn't be bad to have a little income. I thought, well, what do I love doing the most? They always say, do what you love. And of course, I did radio. That was over, so what's next? Do what you
0: love, and you'll never work a day in your life. That's
1: right. So I'm about as happy as I can be when I'm at the wheel of my boat up on the bridge, cruising down the river or wherever. Doesn't matter, Puget Sound. I mean, I've cruised all over. So I put up a whole business plan together and came up with this business, Blue Sky Napa River Cruises. And I started that a few years actually before I retired. I thought, okay, I could make – I mean, one of my business plans, I could make a couple hundred thousand a year. That's if I did two cruises a day, you know, six days a week. <laughs> you worked really hard. Yeah. Well, and that's – the to make the long story short – as I've been doing it the last few years, I didn't get as much business as I thought, which was fine because, in fact, it is work. Yeah, I mean, prepping the boat for the cruise, getting strangers on board, you know, making sure they're safe. Right. I found myself in the last year in, in the middle of a cruise going, I wish this was over. <laughs> I wish I was. <laughs> That's just a big back sign, right there. Having a, glass of wine. Yeah. And, and, you know, because it ended up being work, I'm retired, I don't want to work anymore. It's
0: like a lot of things. It seems really cool. It seems like, oh, that'd be it really is cool. fun. And I met
1: that'd be great. really fun. It's not that I didn't enjoy it. I, I did. But I just decided enough. I still love going out on my boat. Yeah. I, I take friends out and then I will continue to do that. And occasionally I will take a paid passenger out the marina sometimes sends somebody my way if i if i feel like doing it i'll do it how long of a cruise is it it's three hours uh typically go out of the marina and and up to downtown napa come back down go through one of the neighborhoods you know there's a couple waterfront neighborhoods there river park is the one i usually go through back down the river past edgerly island down towards vallejo maybe into the napa slough if the tides are right and then back up. And all of that takes about three hours.
0: A three hour tour. I've heard is, that. Yeah. I've heard that somewhere before. Yeah.
1: Never got stranded on an island. Though. No. Maybe Angel Island. But well, that's not yeah. that's not a deserted I have desert been there. Island, but though. yeah, I wouldn't mind being stranded on that island. It's pretty it is, nice there. Yeah.
0: It's a big island. It is. Do you live aboard the boat? I do. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So what brought you down here to Napa? From Seattle? Or do we have to go a circuitous well, route it is, to get there?
1: Yeah, it's you want to take the route. I won't.
0: Okay, let's so let's go back to the beginning. You are a Northwest native. I'm a Northwest
1: native. A I, I was born and raised in Seattle. I got into radio pretty early. I was only 19 when
0: I got my first job. Okay, so you and I have a have a, a couple of uh, coincidental things here. You also matriculated at the L H Bates Vocational Technical <laughs> Institute of Tacoma. Did you go to Bates? I did. Awesome. I did. That's I started great. the summer semester one week after I graduated high school. Okay. From Bremerton High School. Nice. I was only there for a little over a year until I got my first job. Well, yeah. I, like, I think okay, I was you there you graduated. For... You got a job. You graduated.
1: Exactly. I was there for six months. and oh, I, nice. I didn't expect it, but I just got picked up by this country station, and off I
0: went. I tell people I went to school to learn to push buttons and talk at the same time. <laughs> That's basically what you need to learn to be on the radio. You've just
1: let out the big secret that you don't have to have any talent whatsoever.
0: (laughs) We weren't supposed to tell anyone that. Well, the talent you pick up on the way. Once you learn how to push buttons and talk at the same time, then the hard work begins. Yeah, that's that's
1: extremely true. Yeah.
0: So the first station was where? The country station.
1: Oh, it was in Everett, Washington. Okay. Country radio, K-W-Y-Z, country radio 123. Yeah, that's how you had to answer the phone, too, every time.
0: <laughs> were you a fan of country music when
1: you got there? I wouldn't say that, but I certainly grew to like... I mean, this, this were the developing days of Willie Nelson and Waylon in their outlaw period. Right. Uh, Jimmy Buffett, I heard for the first time there. I got oh, into wow. Charlie Daniels. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of along with Farron Young and, you know, the old-timey guys. but we're yeah. talking
0: about like the 70s. This was 75. And then where'd you go?
1: Then I went to Hawaii. I, uh, oh, I was man. on vacation over there and thought, you know, I'll throw some tapes around. My f- family had always, we'd gone to Hawaii a lot. It's just kind of a, the place we went. And so I was, yeah, I, I went around Honolulu and I dropped off probably eight tapes. And I got back, back then it was tapes reel to reel. Oh, yeah. Uh, air checks. I got a phone call when I got back and they said, uh, it says here on your resume that you're not completely unfamiliar with Hawaii. They wanted someone who could pronounce the words and I said, sure.
0: Yeah, I got all that. Right.
1: And so they hired me and I went from making $2.10 an hour to, I think it was $900 a month in Hawaii. But guess what? It costs a cost of fortune to live in Hawaii. So <laughs> I was only there about a year. All right. It's, if
0: you were still pretty young then,
1: though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I had just turned 21.
0: Let's let uh, let's sip a little wine first, and then okay. we're going to get into uh, the rest of Larry's radio journey. And eventually, how he came to be here in the Bay Area, uh, we're going to sip a little wine. The wine we're sipping right now is a white wine. Yes. This is a French wine. This comes from down there in the south, you know, down there where the Languedoc is. I have not been to that part of France. but I haven't either. Okay. But I look at it on the map all the time and think, ah. Uh, I Um, went on a train
1: through northern France. Okay. I count that as being in France. Like up around uh, Champagne, the Champagne region? came from, went through the Channel. Okay. And you go through Belgium and then just a bit of France and ended up in Germany. Oh, okay.
0: So you might have gone through Alsace. I suppose I did. Perhaps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is south, way down in the far south. Okay. Down close to the Mediterranean. Warm. It's a little region called Picpoul de Pinay. And the thing about this wine is the name of the region, Picpoule de Pinay, which is an official AOC in France, um, and they only grow white wine grapes there. Okay. Mostly this grape right here. The AOC is named after the grape that they grow. The grape goes back, let's say, to the 1600s. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Picpoule is the big grape in Cognac. Is that so? An Armagnac. Okay. So in this little region, way to the south, they grow the grape, make a delicious white wine out of it. What do you think of the wine?
1: I love it. I I would have, had, had, if I were to guess, and thanks for not making me do that. No. Uh, it reminds me of like a Pinot Gris mm-hmm. or... Mm-hmm. Uh, A Viognier, maybe a little Mm -hmm. bit. I don't know. It's just very light. Well, when you first sipped it, you said this is not a Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, I knew that right away, and I knew I didn't feel like it was a Chardonnay. Chardonnays, there is so many
0: flavors, (laughs) if you will. It's not super light and crisp like a Sauvignon Blanc, right? And it has it has some nice like medium bodiness to it. It it does kind of like sipping like an apple juice. To me. You know how apple juice sort of has a little bit of a weight yep. in your mouth and yes. just feels a little bit sweet? Y- yes. This kind of, to me, has that a lot of similarities to that.
1: Yeah. It's it's very good. I Only mean, there's I, alcohol in it. Well, there's that. <laughs> That's
0: <But laughs> why I don't drink apple juice. <laughs> I will put everything on the show notes of this wine. Oh, yeah. And there will be a picture of it on my Instagram, the label, so you can look around for it. Very nice. If it sounds interesting to you. You went to Hawaii?
1: Yes. The owner of the station was Jim Gabbard. Do you know that name? I do know From that San name. San Francisco. Yeah. I
0: actually have met him a few times. Yeah, yeah. What a character! <laughs> he was a uh, he was a regular patron at a restaurant that I managed in Sausalito. Okay, the Trident.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes, I know the Trident. Anyway, Gabbard uh, came in and he fired the entire staff. This used to happen a lot in the seventies yeah. and eighties. Sure. The whole staff, you know, he'd, the owner'd get pissed off, and right. that's it. I'm yeah. done with all of you. So we all met at the unemployment office and then got drunk. And I came back and I ended up in Tacoma, okay, uh, back where Bates was. But I went to work for KLAY, <gasps> which was a sort of freeform FM station okay. that had no ratings. It was owned by Clay Huntington. Get it? KLAY, Clay.
0: Oh, Clay, I get it. Yeah.
1: And he was kind of a politician guy and he knew nothing about rock. Okay. And he didn't want to even think about this dumb radio station in a house. It was in a house. It was in a house. That's awesome. Yeah. It was kind of cool. (laughs) I ended up, that was my first program director gig. I I, I worked as a DJ there for a while and then he fired the program director and he pointed at me and said, You. And he (laughs) gave me like two bucks an hour extra or something. And hey, I'm a program director.
0: That uh, harkens back to the, the, the simpler time in radio when <laughs> a lot of families owned radio stations. Yes. And regular people owned radio stations.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a little volatile because, sure. you know, the owner could do whatever he want, which, of course, they can still do today. But the, the corporate mess that's happened and ruined, really, radio now, and I'm jumping ahead a little here, but I don't like that any better i mean i preferred working for right at least you knew the guy right he lived in town with you <laughs> right if
0: he comes in and fires you at least you know yeah. him he signs your paycheck yeah it's like but okay, if you get word from the home office in uh, cleveland that you know, word comes down that Larry's getting canned. Yeah.
1: And you, you like, know, you're you getting canned by a bean counter in some town where else? Right. Or know, they're looking like at
0: that. focus groups results. Oh, so yeah. Like, oh, well, there you just don't fit in. We're going to yeah. let you go. <laughs> exactly. We're going to go in a different direction. Oh, yes. Yeah, the direction. Nice. <laughs> right, so it's Tacoma, KLAY, and K-L-A-Y. K-L-A-Y.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So at KLAY, I was now in Rock, and okay. I was digging that. That's what I always wanted to do. I grew up with KISW. Well, I started KJR.
0: As a kid in the sixties, yeah. I remember when I was a kid, and this is mid seventies. You were either KJR or you were King. Those were the two yes. big, oh, flame yeah. throwing yep. top forty stations. Yep, you and had uh, Lockwood.
1: On Gary KJR. Lockwood yeah. was a major influence on yep. me. Yep, love Gary. I'm, he was a good friend, and I miss him, but. uh Anyway, so I wanted to get to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't? I mean, right. if you're in the Northwest, that's the that's the prize. Yeah. And long story short, I finally got Bo Phillips to hire me at KISW. Okay. Uh, Part time. All right. And I came in and I was a uh, weekend fill-in DJ, and I ended up doing a lot of fill-in, working with Gary Crow. And I didn't fill-in in the mornings. That was a different sure. animal. But I middays, afternoons. Okay. Kind of a big mix, and then. The midday guy went away. Bo hired a guy that was supposedly funny to put on between these huge, you know, there was a Langen and West in the mornings, mm-hmm. Crow and Hovane's in the afternoons, mm-hmm. two just iconic shows. Right. And in middays, what do you do, right? So I, I get what Bo was trying to do with this, but the guy he hired was an idiot, he was kind of a goofball on the air, and he wasn't really funny. He was just kind of dumb. What was his name? I can't remember. I, okay. was, I knew you were going to ask me. that. Steve something, I think. I remember one day he was eating a bag of potato chips on the air, thinking that was just hilarious. And I saw Bo out in the hall just like shaking his head, and I looked at him and said, Bo, get him out of there and put me in there. Nice. And he did. Huh. Yeah, well, good and bad. <laughs> now the pressure's on me. Hmm. To be as entertaining, that's what he told me one time. He said, you need to be as entertaining as the morning show and the afternoon show. And I was like,
0: oh, okay, that's... Uh, I don't really know why I don't, you not say even, that to you. Yeah, I don't even Unless know Unless he to wanted st- to like freak no. you out.
1: Well, he did. He was a brilliant strategist and he, he did great promotions, but he didn't teach. He never taught me how to be what he wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. And I took, when I became a program director, I remembered that and I said, I'm going to teach. Right. Anyway, so it lasted a... Two two years, I think I did that, and I won't even get into the the why's of why I lost that job. But let's just say I went a little too far with the
0: '80s lifestyle. How sad. <laughs> we'll I just like, leave it. At I don't that. think you need to say anything else. <laughs> thank you. I think you just you said a lot with that yes, right there. Thank you. I love it. Speaking of the '80s, I always like to say the '80s are like the last, like golden age of commercial radio.
1: It was a, a tremendous decade of fun, I can tell you that. I mean, for all of the above-named reasons and the creativity that radio had at the time. You're right, rock radio in particular. It's odd because I consider the 80s to be one of the worst decades for rock music. I mean, when you look at the hair bands and right. all that. But, of course, we were playing... 70s music in the 80s right. and, that's and really, 60s. And 60s. Yeah, th- really, it was still there. You're right.
0: You were, you know, getting the lead out. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and celebrating a memory Rocktober. October. Yeah, Rocktober. Every year.
1: Well, then there was September, uh, I think, even. <laughs> I did hear about
0: September, but not very much about it. No, really. it wasn't as big as Rocktober. What brought you to Napa?
1: Well, let's not skip my nine years at KZOK. That's where I. I started as music director, became assistant PD and then program director, you know, working for a company and, and getting into the research and actually doing the big work of a major market program director. And I just right. I loved it. And I awesome. realized this is what I want to do. And while I remained on the air at all of my stations, that was really what what drove me from then on. Okay, so here I was, nine years into this thing. I took. Oh, by the way, I hired Gary Lockwood to do mornings there just before I left.
0: Well, I remember the whole uh, kerfuffle where he went from. Yeah. Well, KGR went from being a music station to oh, a all sports station. Yeah.
1: yeah, he was stuck, and and it was awful. And then, of course, in the end, they they let him go, and that just crushed him. Right. He didn't even get to say goodbye, and that's what bothered him the most. He just. He wanted desperately to get back on the air just to say, I'm sorry, right. I didn't get to say
0: goodbye. Right. A lot of times you don't get to say goodbye. No, hardly you know, ever. You're ready to it's get a canned cruel, after your show, and they're lined up ready to do it to you well,
1: and it's, it's, after your show. It's a disservice to the listeners yeah, who are totally. sitting there. They've, they've got a relationship with this person, and they're just gone. I thought he fit well, and oh, by the way, the ratings went up when we got him. Uh, the guy after me, uh, he got rid of him, but that's... That was his mistake. <laughs> Water under the bridge. Yeah, that was 1992. I was working for—I forget the name. Adams, I think, was the company. They were about to sell again. They always underpaid me. It was my first PD gig, so I was kind of—and then I was starting to get calls because KZOK was ratings were through the roof. So when that happens, other markets start calling around. They're looking for a program director, mm-hmm. and they hear about this guy in Seattle. I had one from Texas. And I had one from San Jose, California. And I flew down to the San Jose, both of them actually, but the San Jose job appealed to me more. And in the end, they offered me twice as much money to come down. And I thought, I'll go down to California for two years right? and then come back home. I was married at this time and had kids and all that. And we had both agreed, my wife at the time and I. And that was uh, 30 years ago, <laughs> 31 years ago. I never got back, other than my little stint in in <laughs> Bellingham that you mentioned. So th- I went to San Jose for a few years, then went to Sacramento and ran the Eagle in Sacramento. Actually, it was Arrow 108, and then they bought the Eagle, and, we, and I ran that. So I didn't like living in Sac- Sacramento, but those were probably some of the finest people I ever worked with in the radio business. Well, that's I mean, awesome. The Seattle people were great, and I love them, but there's something about that group that I worked with. They were just... The most genuine, good, talented people. And then I got the call from San Francisco. Uh, they actually, a, a consultant a friend called and he didn't ask me if I wanted a job. He said, do you know anybody that might want to work at this station, KSAN, in San Francisco? And I mm-hmm. said, I don't know. I'll, I'll Let me think about it. And then I started thinking about it. I went, wait a minute. Maybe I do. <laughs> so called him back and I said, well, what about me? And he goes, well, that's kind of what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> So I you went didn't out and just come
0: right out and say, hey, "Yeah, I know it's just what would you think of it's this? just dumb." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there, there's a lot of posturing, a lot of politics. Mm-hmm. So I
1: uh, took that job and got to build a radio station from scratch because it wasn't the bone when I got there. What year was that? Two thousand. Good God, that was 21 years ago. Oh,
0: hey. it's okay. When we're here in the Bombay Room, time stands still. Thank you.
1: Right now, I feel like I'm. 25 again. <laughs> good, good. Something
0: about this wine. I'm going to pour some red wine in Yeah, I see and then, that. And then we're going to talk about this in a few minutes. Okay. Uh-huh. So you get to KSAN and they decided they were going to rebrand it. Yeah. And
1: and I knew that going in. I think the reason I got the job is the, the general manager asked me in the interview, what do you think we ought to do? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even hesitate. I said, classic rock that rocks. And he just went, well, that's exactly what all our research is saying and what we think we ought to do. And it's like, okay, so we're a marriage made in heaven. They offered me tons of money, and I moved the family to Napa, of all places, and oh, commuted to San Francisco for okay. almost
0: 10 years. Larry's smelling the red wine now that mm. I just poured into his glass. Oh, that's nice. And it's pretty delicious. This wine is mm. very interesting. Let's just jump right into this wine, because uh, it's. I like to mix oh, it up a little bit. Oh, my God. <laughs>
1: that is phenomenal. I'm glad you like it. Oh, I don't even think you need food with that. That's no, no. food itself. It's
0: delicious, right? It's wonderful. So, this is from the vintage 2012. Okay. It's from Italy.
1: Oh, I love Italy.
0: This is a Tuscan grown Merlot from a big winery there. And the family has been making wine and growing grapes for this is kind of a humble brag over 700 years. <laughs>
1: You, you know, not a lot of
0: wineries in the United States say no. that. <laughs> <laughs> right? This is from the uh, Marchesi de Frescobaldi. That's the family. Very well said. That's the family. Okay. And then this is their. Uh, so in, in Tuscany, which you have Chianti, right. which is made from the Sangiovese grape. Yes. They also use the Sangiovese grapes in other parts of Tuscany to make the Brunello di mm, Montalcino. Brunello, yes. Now, along about the 1960s, they started deciding, you know, maybe we're tired of these grapes. Hmm. Let's start growing some of the, I guess you might say, more famous grapes that they grow in France, Okay, the Bordeaux varietals. So they started growing the Bordeaux varietals, and then they started mixing some of them in with the Sangiovese to create what we now know as the Super Tuscan. Ah. okay. And for the first few years they were doing that, before they came up with the name Super Tuscan, that wine was just labeled... Table wine, red table wine, because they couldn't name it after the district because the 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 district is all tied up in all these other grapes. And the law in a lot of these districts is you can't call it this unless you're growing our grape. Right. Nowadays, you'd say that's just securing your brand. Got it. There's a lot of these grapes now, Bordeaux, Varietals, Merlot, Cabernet, growing in the region of Tuscany. And they still don't call them by their names. Like look at that bottle. It doesn't say merlot on it, but it's 100% merlot. Frescobaldi is that it the says, name of the wine? Frescobaldi is the name of the family that makes oh, it. Oh, okay. This particular wine is called La Mayone. Okay, so that's just the name they made up. La Maione yeah. is the name of the vineyard that this oh, okay. comes from. Oh, okay. It's a, it's a single vineyard and they make maybe 5000 cases of this. It's 100% merlot. Spends it's 2 years lovely. in 100% new oak French oak barrels. Wow. And it's just, yeah, it's kick-ass. I mean, that's... kick-ass. <laughs> wow. Glad to share it with you. Oh, thank you. Why don't thank you give you. me a, a tasting note, if you can?
1: I'm not very good at the, you All know, right. the leather and the well, cigars. And, just
0: smell it and tell yeah. me what you
1: smell. Honestly, the first thing I thought of, and it, it doesn't smell like this, but it made me think roast beef. <laughs> like, yep. you know... Meaty. Just, well, yeah, exactly. It's meaty. Yeah, it's, it was... And I mean, the fruit is very, you know, I, I picked it right up. Right away in It's the good
0: fruit, but the fruit doesn't really dominate. No. It's not like it's, a big fruit bomb.
1: But it's, I mean, it's a lovely nose. Mm.
0: I think the reason you thought roast beef is because there's a lot of new oak on this wine. It's all new oak, two years. And you get that smoky smell yeah. from the inside of the barrel. And that, I think, you know, combined with the fruit that's very dark. Got a little tannin, but not overly so. Mm-hmm. You know? I haven't even sipped it yet. Oh, <laughs> See well, now no, you're
1: going to correct everything I no, just said. No, 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 no. That's not what I do.
0: <laughs> it's funny how people have an impression of somebody who works at a winery. He's well, gonna, he knows everything, and he's going to come along and tell us we're wrong. And I say, no, 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 that's I, not I,
1: what we do. I don't believe that at all. And I, I actually worked in a winery, too. You probably didn't see that on my resume, but we'll, we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. The thing that mm. some people in the industry do is they come up with flowery prose yes. to describe what oh, we're yeah. drinking. And by, I find it difficult— to describe wine in those terms. My palate isn't that sophisticated. But you know
0: what I love about that? And when people come into this winery, a lot of times they will confess to me, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about wine. Yeah, As if they're, they're just basically telling me, you should just kick me out because I'm not qualified <laughs> to be here. And I say, you know what? I'm really glad you said that because what I want you to do is tell me how you think the wine is. Give me your tasting notes because everybody that knows wine comes in and they stick to the script. Right. Like, well, we're going to oh. talk about the fruit and the earth and the wood and the flowers and I'm going to name a few things yes. and that's the end of the day. Right. But if somebody comes in like you and says, the first thing I think of is roast beef. I'm like, <laughs> oh, now that is now refreshing. Now we can talk about something. That yeah. is refreshing.
1: Well, and I agree with you and and of course, what I learned before, even before I worked in a winery, what I've always felt is if you like it, then it's good.
0: You know, that's a a Count
1: Basie quote uh, about music. If it sounds good, it is good. You know, that's a a lovely segue because you're absolutely right, and I've been reading um, reading Willie Nelson's autobiography right now, Mm -hmm. and he talked about when he was young, he learned not to put music in silos, in categories. Mm -hmm. He liked Western swing. He liked big band swing. Mm -hmm. He just liked the sound Mm -hmm. of it. It didn't matter to him whether it was the Western swing guy. Bob Wills. Oh, okay. Bob Wills. Or Count Basie. The swing is the same. Right. And I thought, you know, that's a good musician doesn't say I'm a rock musician. I'm a musician. Yeah. And you, you know, you think about the really great musicians and they've drawn from everything Mm -hmm. jazz, Mm -hmm. rock, soul, gospel, you know, whatever. And that's where our music comes from. Right. And
0: wine. And What's our it? wine comes from yes. the old world, and this is a beautiful old world oh, wine. It's wonderful. I'm glad you like it. Well, thank you.
1: <laughs> this is a real treat.
0: All right, so you built the bone from scratch.
1: Built the bone, and it was really fun. When out. I say
0: the bone, I'm, I'm talking about a radio station in San Francisco. And it's still because there. Because we have people listening all over the world that are like, what are Correct. they talking about? He built a bone.
1: Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> the name, of course, was odd. We were the first... Bone, by the way. Okay. There were some that came very shortly after us. We had a list of names. By the way, it was a team effort. I don't want to say I did it. I was happened to be the focal point of, as the program director, right. but I had a wonderful team. But I remember one night I woke up just kind of out of a nightmare or whatever, and I realized
0: a rock, bone, hard,
1: dog, you know, right. rrr, har, right. and it's right. just like, that's what it has to See, be. I always
0: think it's a male audience- and they're yeah. all like, huh, huh, "Oh yeah, it's hard rock. It's uh, huh, it's well, like my bone." Well, and people would say, "Well, what does it mean?" And
1: we would say, "It means whatever you want it to right. mean." Exactly. Some people, it was a bone, you know. To some people, it was uh, a physical bone. I right. mean, whatever the bone. You know? <laughs> In the end. Uh, it was. A, it's such a great brand that, in fact, it still exists sure. today. It's still there. And so I'm very, very proud of that. And the morning show I hired is still there. I would say that that was the pinnacle of my career. It absolutely was. Nine years of running it. It, it didn't take off at first. The company at the time was Susquehanna, mm-hmm. one of the best companies that ever owned radio stations. Okay. And they allowed me three years to get it right. And it was close. I mean, they were about to go... You keep telling us it's going to work. You're
0: burning too much money, uh, Larry.
1: Well, and so th- the riskiest thing I did was to steal that morning show and convince them to pay them. And oh, by the way, they were a very straight-laced family company, and here it was come, Lamont well, Tanelli, were a little racy. And then finally that happened, and then, you know, it was all happy-happy until the family, Susquehanna family, that's not their name, but the family that owned it decided they wanted to get out, and so they sold. And okay. Cumulus uh, took over, and I worked for them for about three years. It was awful. And then finally one day, uh, the general manager came in and said, uh, you're done. Pack your, you got an hour to leave. Hey, Ten yeah. years, and I had an hour to pack my office. The way it and is. I made too much money. And yeah. We were very successful, but that didn't matter to him.
0: And then uh, what happened?
1: Okay. That's where life took a few interesting turns for me. I, I was out of work for about two and a half years. I worked at a winery, Shug, right up the road Oh, here. wow. Yep. Really? Yep. <laughs> worked at Shug for six months behind oh, the counter.
0: They'll hire anybody. That's what I thought. <laughs> I mean, 12 bucks an hour. Are you kidding me? I hey. was on fire. Maybe tips? Uh, maybe, not very often. Maybe but bonuses no, for wine man. club signups? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. We got.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Here's what happened. When the bone let me go, it was the beginning of the recession. Around the country, a whole bunch of program directors like me got Let go. So here we were, a bunch of major market program directors suddenly out of work and nowhere to work. So I was not alone. Many, many of us were out there looking for jobs that didn't exist. And that's why I was out of work. I'd never been out of work that long before in my life. Okay. You know, I'm in a a, a home. I've got kids in college. I mean, it it was money was just pouring out. I, I had to start tapping my retirement accounts, everything to just stay alive, thinking I would get work again. Right. After the winery, I get a call from Michael O'Shea up in Bellingham. And he said, you want to program KISM in Bellingham? And I'm like, yeah. What does it pay?
0: He he told (laughs) me and I went, oh, geez, can we make
1: it this? And he said, no, it pays this. It's like, okay. I took it. It was better than nothing. Sure. So I left and I would go up there and work and come home every two weeks back down here. My wife and kids were still here. They never came up there. That was the beginning of the end of my marriage. Okay. <laughs> I mean, obviously, there was a lot of other things going on. Then I get a call from San Francisco again. My old boss from the Bone calls me and says, Hey, I'm over at Intercom now, and we're going to put K Fox, which I programmed in San Jose, we're going to put it on in San Francisco on two signals. It's going to be a super station. And I Whoa. was like, Yeah, I'm back. So I come roaring back, and they pay me some money, and... I'm back, and within three months, I realized I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. Oh, no. It was awful. Intercom was disorganized, and, and my guts were tied up in knots mm. every day, and mm. it, I hated it. And they ended up asking me to leave as well. Wow. It sounds like I got fired a lot. I really didn't. Well, I think
0: what <laughs> happens, and somebody told me this, because I got fired a few times when I was on oh, radio. Oh, you haven't worked in radio yet. And they say time. if you get fired, you're either really smart or you're a crackhead. <laughs> if you're not a crackhead, then relax. You're really smart. Yeah, and they just well, fired you because you're just really I, smart. I've actually been fired for both. <laughs> ah, oh, that's right. That whole 1980s a, a, thing. Let's
1: not go there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, we'll just
0: have to have you come back and we'll do a whole episode on the 1980s. Oh, I can't remember
1: much of it. No, that's not true. Good answer. There's two years I can't remember. Good answer. Oh, well, that's more truth than I needed to let out. <laughs> so that was what 2011 or something all right and that's the divorce is now in progress and i'm like what do i do now i'm so sick of radio it's just been a dead end and so i ended up working for the napa valley register and i you know i love napa it's why i live there right and i thought well this is cool and i don't need money anymore i mean my Ex-wife's taking it all, and so I just needed...
0: <laughs> you know. The more I have, the yeah, more she'll it's take. Just, yeah, exactly.
1: So I worked for the register as the audience development manager, wow. which I did in radio. That's impressive. Yeah, which really was circulation director, but I like the other name better. And I liked that job. It was a little boring after radio. Uh, six months into that, uh, I get a call from the owner of the stations in Napa, the Vine and KVON. Right. KVON's been there since the 30s or something, and and KVYN since the 70s. Again, the money wasn't the issue, but it was a chance to be the general manager of these two stations. And I thought, okay, this is a nice way for me to go out. I'm now 60 at Mm -hmm. that time maybe a little younger, 58, something like that. And I thought, you know, this is fine. I'll, I'll do this. It's, I get to do it my way. And I did. It was a really low budget
0: operation as small market radio Right, because you were the general manager when you were also. This is how I knew you were here. I was like tuning the dial one day. And I'm okay. like, hmm. I'm Sharpie with the news. Yeah,
1: yeah, I did the news. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no! wait a minute, I
0: know who Sharpie is. Oh, no, is. I
1: fixed the toilets, and I'm not kidding. No, I mean, that's yeah. that was the kind of job right. it was.
0: It was fun.
1: You know, I started in small market radio in Everett, and I returned to it at the end of my right. career. The and circle is it. complete. Exactly. So I did that for five years. Wow. I knew the station was for sale the whole time. That mm-hmm. was never an issue. I actually got that it was losing a lot of money when I got there, and I actually got it to break even. I'm proud of that. New owners came in, some young people from uh, Los Angeles, and and they're doing their thing now, and they didn't want an old guy like me around. Sure. And so retirement came, and here I am.
0: That's awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you for the story.
1: You know, it's funny. I mean, I just encapsulated 43 or 44 years in half an hour.
0: And you drank some nice wine.
1: Oh, my God. (laughs) Let's talk about wine. Let's when, do that.
0: Were you a wine guy before you settled in Napa to work in San Francisco? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I It it happened fairly early when my wife and I, uh, I think even before we were married, somebody gave us a wine rack.
0: They gave <laughs> well, you a wine rack? Well,
1: yeah, you know, one of those like 15, 16 bottle Got to fill it you know. up. Exactly. So we just, okay. And then I noticed that if you had a glass or two of wine with dinner, First thing I noticed was hmm, I like the way my head feels. Yes. But then I noticed, you know, it's, this food is good with this if you do it right. Right. You know, you don't just swill the stuff. It's a,
0: it's an enhancement of the meal.
1: It is actually, in my opinion, wine is food. It's right. part
0: of the food.
1: And I just through experimenting, just started to like wine.
0: When was this that you got your first wine rack, Larry? Oh gosh, 1988. <laughs> oh okay. All right am running there, yeah. And what were some of the first wines you put in there, you think? Do you remember? Oh Like what was, was uh, let's let's let me just zero in on a question I like to ask people. What was that first wine that you had, if you can remember, that was like, Oh well, I, Okay. Yeah, okay, I, started, I get it. Yeah. I started with white wine. I think as most people do.
1: Sure. I mean, red wines, you know, at first, like you take a sip of that. If you've never had it, you no. might go, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> what is it? People right say, now, it's, yeah, it's like, be like, what? Yeah, like chewing on bark or something. Yeah. It's not at all, right. of course, but. Uh, I think it was just like a Sauvignon Blanc, something very accessible, or a Fumé Blanc. I think it was a Fumé, but same thing, I know. But Mr. Mondavi. Yeah. It was like, ooh, you know, this is very accessible, and mm-hmm. it has this distinct flavor, mm-hmm. and it goes with lots of stuff, really. I mean, you can drink it with anything, sure. almost. Red wine came later. You know, I've often told people that that are afraid of red wine. It's just start with a Pinot Noir because there's a Pinot Noir isn't scary, Mm-mm. and you'll find right away that you kind of like it. And oh, by the way, have a, a you know a barbecued chunk of salmon with it, and you're in heaven, right? Over time, and then we came down. Uh, my ex-wife's sister lived in by Oakland with the uh, Piedmont. Okay, yes, up there in Piedmont, you know, swanky. Oh, yes, quiet. They have a lovely view, you know. <laughs> uh, so I remember we came to visit them. When their daughter was born and we decided we wanted to go to the Napa Valley, my dad had been coming down to the valley for years. I remember they told us how to get there from Piedmont and we drove up 80 and we took 37 or whatever. And, you know, you drive through American Canyon and you're like, I don't know about this Napa Valley, I don't, you know, and then you get to... <laughs> if
0: you if you come from the South, yeah, and you drive through to Vallejo it's, and it's awful, American right? yeah, Canyon, yeah, it's, it's like, like, you know, and it's then not even, that fancy. Even the Southern part
1: of the valley. And then it starts to get prettier and it starts to close in a little and become a valley. Right. And then you see these wineries.
0: Vineyards and vineyards and vineyards. And you're like,
1: oh, now I get it. And then this was back when you could taste wine for like three bucks. Sure. You know, we started popping in places and, oh, my God, absolutely fell in love. And so the whole time I lived in California from 92, San Jose, Sacramento, and then one of the reasons we moved to Napa is because we loved it so much. We, we would come to Napa every other month, it seemed like, from San Jose or Sacramento. Mm-hmm. We camped here. We brought our kids up. Right. And then I bought this big old Suburban, and we would go wine tasting, and the kids would play in the back of the Suburban. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, they always knew where we were, and they sure. could come and get us if there was trouble. And yeah. every once in a while, some do-gooder would come in and go, you know, there's children in a
0: truck out oh, there. And it's like,
1: yes, that's correct and we know they're there and the windows aren't rolled up and you know this was back before
0: they have a name for those people now Karen
1: Karen yeah yeah <laughs> we met Karen more than once so
0: sorry Karen Karen's a little So old. yeah
1: I I have a, a a real love for wine I still I drink wine almost with every meal I mean and I and I sometimes drink it
0: just cuz I like to drink it and I don't have to have a meal Yeah <laughs> yeah so let me pin you down here. Yes. What's so like your go-to varietal? If I came on the boat and yeah. we we're gonna, uh, you know, we we're gonna sit and have a nice little meal.
1: I like Chardonnay, and, and I don't okay. apologize for it. And oh, by the way, I like the old Oaky buttery chardonnay. Okay. Uh, I do. Good and for you. So I seek that out and but I I'm fine with the other stuff too. It you know, and uh, most of the chardonnays I drink are aren't oaky and buttery, but you know, if you can go up and get a Rombauer sure. on the table, I'm yeah, good yeah. with that. So I always have Chardonnay Chardonnay around and then it, when it comes to red wines, I, I love cab, absolutely love cab. I don't drink as much merlot. It's funny that you served this today because I I bought a bottle of wine today and I was looking at Merlot and I go, why don't I drink Merlot anymore? And Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to be honest with you. What I really like is I like Syrah. Mm. And the prices are better Mm -hmm. and with a big chunk, again, I like beef, you know, so a bottle of Syrah with...
0: Talk about putting your face in the glass and being like, Mm. oh, this smells like beef. See, I like that. Or bacon fat. And that's
1: why I like Cabernet Franc. And you know, mm-hmm. I really like the big wines. You know, I want to chew on it a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I'm the same way. So that's why this one And really this one is, Oh, me. this is right yeah. there it, It's not overbearing. It's not no. heavy, but it's got something. It's gritty. It's good. It, there's <laughs>
0: enough complexity yes. to make it that's really a good word. I substantial. Like yeah. There's a lot going on in this wine, and yes. it's
1: it's full-bodied. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a one-trick pony.
0: Uh, right, but it's not just the big, like, oh, a gigantic wine that's just like a big fruit bomb or too yeah. so much oak, you know, you got splinters in your tongue. Right. I mean, this has been aging for almost 10 years, so that's Ooh. that's in its favor.
1: Yeah, you don't get that much anymore. I mean, it seems like all our red wines are what, only three years old? Now? Well, you got
0: you to gotta hang on to things.
1: <laughs> you got to age them. I have not had success at that. No. I have a, you know, in a boat, you don't have a wine cellar, True. you have a, a wine bilge. Right. And I do have a wine under bilge. Under the floorboards. That's a joke. You're supposed to laugh at that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I
1: know what a bilge is. Under the floorboards. All right. So, so I do. I have about a 20 bottle wine bilge but i can't keep anything in it because i there's you, you a bottle don't have of wine space. over there and i'm having you don't
0: s- have enough space to store a lot of wine no. and the, the only way you get a chance to really age wine and i tell people this all the time because i talk about drinking older wines they're like how do you let them age how could you not just drink them you have to buy a lot that's a fact and then eventually you have enough you wine some where you leave some. some of it is aging. There was a time when
1: I was working for The Bone when I could do that. Right. I, was a, I told you earlier I was a member of a, probably a dozen wine clubs. And you so lived in a I,
0: house and you had probably more than one wine rack. Yeah. Oh, by went, the way,
1: yes, it's noteworthy that I have made wine. I grew grapes in my property when I had a house. Okay. And I actually made my own wine. I made a Chardonnay, I made a Merlot, and I made a Cab. I bought the the Merlot grapes and the Cab grapes, but I did grow Chardonnay.
0: Did you make them at your house?
1: I did. They're awful. <laughs> However, and this is when I learned that a bad wine doesn't get better with age. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll let it age, but that's not true. My red wine, I, opened, I found a bottle, uh, and it was probably... 15, 16 years old at okay. this time. And I opened it carefully mm-hmm. and tasted it ever so gingerly, and it was pretty good. I was really surprised. It, it, somehow, it made it. What I learned from that is how hard it is. It is, people think... They see the pictures of these winemakers in their <laughs> straw hat, you know, <laughs> lounging on the porch. Well, that's—they're not doing anything, right. <laughs> you know. It's the work is the farming. Yep. Because I grew grapes, it's hard work to yes. grow grapes and how many, grow How many right. acres did you have? Did I you didn't have, have any acres. You I had a maybe few, a few vines, 50, fifty vines. Okay. Yeah, and and I had some in the front, but that's I, a lot. I, but I was right on the river, so I'm not sure that was the best soil. Anyway, uh, the the farming was hard. Making the wine was hard. It was fun though, right? It was fun. Yeah, I mean, I and uh, by the way, I went to school. I went to Napa Valley College oh. to learn viticulture okay. and winemaking.
0: Man, you don't know?
1: No, no, right I, I was that was when I that was my heavy wine phase when I was super into it. Did and you have a label on the wine? Oh yeah, what did you call it? Cabot Cove. I lived on a cove on the river. Okay, it wasn't called Cabot Cove, but that's what I called it because it was on Cabot Way. Ah, uh-huh. and I have a license plate. Thing that makes me look like I'm, a, you know, a, Cabot Cove. Yeah, Cabot Cove Vineyards. You know, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Cabot Cove. And I should, I would have brought a bottle, but I think I only have one left. Oh no! It rolled around in my trunk for a while, so it's probably not good. You got to let it sit. still for a while. It's it's in my storage unit
0: somewhere. <laughs> Save it for posterity, just like all the air checks. Well, that's
1: yeah, right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Larry, are you a, a fan of any podcasts? Yours. Well, thank you. Yeah,
1: but uh, other than that, to be honest with you, no, you haven't,
0: you haven't started listening to them. No, I, you know, it's I, funny for radio people to jump into podcasts because it's like, oh, I don't know, what could that be? But I, I listen to a few, and I'm a fan. I don't of the listen media. to the radio anymore. Well, I listen to NPR.
1: I like NPR,
0: and I listen I, to that I, yeah. uh, little jazz station that comes out of San Mateo. I love oh, that. Okay. I love that a lot.
1: At this point in my life, by the way, through all of the misery of a divorce and all that, I, I came out of it with sort of this spiritual growth that's mm-hmm. been very productive for me as, as far as being happy. Awesome. And part of that is enjoying silence. I spent my whole life listening right. to music and the yeah. radio. And I'm not saying I don't love music. I still listen to music when right. I feel like it. Sure. But when I'm driving in my car- I would say ninety nine percent of the time it's in complete silence. Wow! No, I'm medit- I'm sort of meditating. I and I drive a lot. I, I go to Arizona. I go to Seattle. Uh-huh. A lot, like you did. You know, road trips are yeah, fun. Yeah, was you just know. up there. You know, if I get sleepy or something, I might crank on some tunes. But I love silence. <laughs> oh, After that's... living a life in noise, sure, That's very spiritual. That's an awesome <laughs> revelation. I like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I'm probably missing <laughs> some stuff, but
0: uh, I think what you have found to replace the noise. It's yeah, working for It you. works for me. It's working for you. It does work for Totally. Me. I was going to have you recommend a podcast, but if you're not into the podcast, have you been a guest on other podcasts? Never. This is your first time. It is. All right. I'm a podcast virgin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I,
1: right. You know what? I had more success than I ever could have dreamed of. I never expected to, to leave Seattle, first right. of all. I certainly didn't expect to run up to the fourth largest market in the country. I didn't expect to make the money I made. I didn't expect to know the people I met. I mean, none of that was in the plan. I was just a Seattle guy. I was just going to hang out in Seattle. So I am the gratefulness that I have and the friends that I met. My God, I think about all the people I wouldn't know had I not left Seattle. I've gotten to know people in these other markets without having to move all over the country. I mean, I West Coast and Hawaii. I wouldn't mind doing that again. That sounds like a good life, Larry. <laughs> it wasn't bad. And it now you retired bad.
0: and you live on the boat. Yeah.
1: It's it's good. I'm very happy and I'm pleased that I did what I did and that I'm done with it because as you we were talking earlier, I got to live through some of the best years of radio. Totally. I'm a very, very lucky guy, as did you in you know, in, in the markets you worked in. And that that's that's something they can't take
0: away from you. It's something you can't do now. Yeah, it's disappointing because I just traveled and I, you know, you drive around and old habits are, oh, I'm going to tune around yeah. on the dial, see who's talking and who's sure. who's saying what and who are the people. And there's just nothing. When you're tuning in, uh, let's
1: say in Fresno, you're hearing a disc jockey who's probably from Denver and it's all homogenized. Yeah.
0: All right. Let's go back to the whole boat cruise thing. Okay. Are you still entertaining those?
1: I would do one occasionally. Okay. But I've taken my website down. Okay. I mean, I essentially, say,
0: do you have a website? Do you want to plug it? And no. If you don't, that's cool. No,
1: it's, I, I appreciate that, but I'm, I'm really done with it. The only thing I do uh, that you could call work is I work with uh, developmentally disabled adults as a job coach. The people you see working in the grocery store. Sure. And, and I work as kind of a liaison with the, wherever they work. And so I work with one individual right now. It's a few hours a week at my discretion, which is the only way I'll work. Sure. <laughs> Other than that, you know, now I'm, I'm focused on being with my sons and traveling. And I'm going to Mexico on Christmas Day.
0: Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad. <laughs>
1: yeah. I hope I can get back though. I heard that they're not letting you back in the country. Who knows what's going
0: to happen. Omicron, Omicron. Well,
1: you know, I, th- I worse places to get stuck than Mexico. Right? Yeah. Oh,
0: sorry. Larry can't come back from Mexico. <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? I guess he's just going to drink some more tequila and hang out. Larry, thanks for hanging out.
1: Mike, this has been a real pleasure. Happy I- I- retirement to you.
0: Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
1: And, uh, <laughs> You know, I like what you're doing here. You've made me interested now in your podcast, and certainly I'm going to come back and visit you because I literally live, as the crow flies, maybe three miles
0: from I know. You live close by. Yeah, it's really close. Now we'll go hang out with Deepak and drink a little more wine. You like Pinot, we'll uh, we'll do a little Pinot. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. The Tall Mike Wine Podcast was conceived and is written, produced, edited, and maintained by yours truly, to see behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at tallmikewine. On Twitter, it's tallmikewine69, because some other guy's got the name Tall Mike Wine. It's in my craw. To ask a question, make a suggestion, or for your very own set of Tall Mike Wine podcast coasters, drop me a line to tallmikewine at gmail.com, and I will mail you some. Tell a friend about the podcast, drop a rating on Apple Podcasts, and come back again next time. Thanks to Larry Sharp for hanging out from the Bombay Room at Nicholson Ranch Winery in Sonoma, California. I'm Mike Stone. Cheers.